Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. This podcast was funded by listeners like you through Patreon. In this episode, we specifically want to thank Bob Reuter for his continued support of the Learning Scientists. He continues to support our podcast because he thinks it's really important for teachers and students to understand how learning works. Bob was trained as a cognitive scientist, and now he works in the field of learning and teaching research with future teachers. He's at the University of Luxembourg, one of the youngest universities in the world, and yet it's impressively on its way to international excellence. You can meet Bob on his Meet the Scientist YouTube video, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes. And if you like our podcast and want to support our efforts to spread the science of learning, please consider checking us out and maybe even donating to us on Patreon. And if you donate at least $5 a month, you'll gain access to our monthly office hours videos. You can also rate, review, and subscribe our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for your support. We could not do this without you. Hi, I'm Dr. Megan Samaraki, an associate professor at Rhode Island College, and I am here, virtually here, with Josh Ling and Jesse Mao. They are the co-founders of Podsy. Podsy is a nonprofit organization. Their mission is to empower teachers and improve student learning by providing free access to evidence-based learning techniques. So to me, it seems like Podsy and the learning scientists have a shared mission and that we're going to be fast friends. I'm really excited to learn more about your work. So Josh, if you could introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background um, about about you and how you got started and then and then Jesse. Yeah, sure. So I'm a former middle school math teacher. Um, and after teaching for a couple of years, I went to get my master's degree in education from Stanford. And around that time, um, I actually then made a career change into software engineering. Um, and it was then that uh, I actually learned more about learning science. So I didn't learn about it when I was teaching or in grad school for education. Um, but when I was making a career change into software engineering, I found myself in similar shoes to like the shoes that my students were in when I was teaching in that we both had to learn a lot of new information and retain it and then demonstrate mastery in a pretty short amount of time. Um, and so I actually was struggling a lot with that career change and like having to learn all the new software engineering knowledge and skills. Um, and so I learned about learning science because I went on a trip actually with Jesse here and one of his friends um, told me about space practice. My first time actually like hearing those terms. And actually, I'm curious. The, the way he he presented to me was um, he told me about a flashcard app called Anki. Have you have you heard of Anki before? I have, yeah. And my my sister, um, she's now a medical resident. She's yes. an OB resident. Yeah. Yeah, but she when she was in med school, she used Anki. She might still use it. I'm not sure, but she talked about it in an episode a few years back. Right. Um, yeah. Yep, yeah. So that's that was my first exposure to space practice. This guy, his name is Rob, and he was just an avid Anki user. And he basically said that this was one of like the most life-changing apps for him and that he had like 30,000 flashcards that he tries to like carve out some time to study each day. So I was like, okay, that's pretty impressive. You're able to retain like 30,000 cards worth of information. It sounds very pertinent to what I'm trying to do right now um, in like learning a lot of new information. So I tried it out and 
I was very surprised at how effective it was um, when I spaced out of my practice and then actively retrieved information over time. And that kind of started my whole journey of learning more about learning science and reflecting back into my own teaching practices and thinking about how like effective it would have been um, if I were able to use it as a teacher. Um, and so that inspired me, like very long story short, to uh, start Potsy and make it um, a lot easier for teachers to be able to find out about these um, techniques and then also be able to easily use it in their classrooms. Yeah, that's amazing. I It's so interesting that you say you didn't learn about it when you were in education, but then learned about it in a different, that's that's something that we can that we can unpack a little bit. Yeah, we definitely sat through a lot of professional development and had a lot of training, but for some reason, like the neuroscience behind how we actually learn and then remember things, maybe I just forgot about it. I, but I'm pretty sure we didn't we didn't actually learn it. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I've, I've heard that before. Sure. Yeah. Um, and Jesse, did you want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Jesse. Uh, unlike Josh, I am not a former teacher. Uh, I've been a software engineer for a few years since since graduating college. But similar to Josh, um, I was also introduced to Anki uh, through Rob, and I, I I had used it in college to basically help me study. And yeah, similar to Josh again, it was really effective. It was a really effective tool for me. And what ended up happening is when Josh came to me about this idea of uh, implementing Anki in the classroom, you know, we ended up reading a lot of research papers, and we both found out that there was like a big gap between like learning science and what's implemented in the classroom. And um, that's like basically what really spurred us, you know, to start working on this project and be, be inspired by learning science. Yeah, yeah. And so back to like the around that time um, of me using Anki, um, I. Then also came across a book called Make It Stick by Rodinger, Brown, and McDaniel. And mm -hmm. I read it and it was another, like similar to when I first started using Anki, like another one of those like light bulb moments to then see like what I was experiencing with Anki, but then laid out in like research terms. So the authors like wrote down like, here's why spacing works. Here's why interleaving works. Here's why, you know, it's good to actually actively retrieve things versus rereading um, and then have all the evidence backing it up. And so around that time, I actually uh, approached one of my best friends. Uh, his name's Chris, and he teaches middle school science in Houston. And I shared the book with him just because I thought it was like very, very interesting. And so he read it, uh, came back to me a couple of weeks later with the same excitement and like mind blown experience that I had. Because again, similarly, he I think he intuitively knew about a lot of the techniques that the book mentioned, uh, like he knows that it's better to space things out rather than to cram it. But again, just like to have it laid out in a way where it, it was just like, it's been proven that you should do it this way. It, it isn't about like your intuition of how things work. Um, and so around that time, we were like, okay, let's try to use these techniques in, in your classroom and make it really easy for your students. Like we decided to start with spacing and uh, retrieval practice first. Um, and the way we decided to go about it was uh, we decided to build a, a web app so that he can just like easily implement it in his classrooms. Um, and so we started the previous, so not this uh, 2020, 21, 2021 school year, but the previous school year. Um, and then we tried it out. And then um, after the first school year, we decided that it was worthwhile enough to try to expand to other teachers. And that's around the time that I reached out to Jesse to ask him to come work on Podsy with me. So that's great. I, I have so I have so many thoughts running through my head. Um, first of all, we we love Make It Stick. Um, Make It Stick is a fan fantastic book. Taking those evidence-based practice, things that we that we know work from decades, even centuries of research, and explaining how they can be utilized in the classroom, and 
And you you said something else, too. You said that intuitively you kind of knew that some of these things worked, but you don't want to just rely on intuition. Sometimes our intuition leads us to the right strategy, but there's a lot of times where our intuition and what we think is working in the moment is actually leading us astray. So there's a lot of evidence showing that strategies that feel like they're helping you learn and students will report, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to learn more from this like repeated reading and highlighting than I would if I put my stuff away and tried to retrieve. Right. Actually isn't what's helping. The opposite pattern shows up later. So it's really important to rely on the evidence and not just intuition and students reporting what they think is helping them learn because it might not be it might not be correct. We need we need that um the the evidence the that we can verify that this is working in the long term. And just what you said too about about not hearing about these things when you were in education. There's there was a um a study done in I think it was 2016 by the National Council for um, Teacher Quality, the NCTQ, and they looked at teacher training textbooks. So basically the textbooks that you would have been assigned, Josh, while you were being trained to be a teacher, where are these strategies that we know are pretty effective from cognitive psychology? Are they in those textbooks? How much are they being mentioned? And what they find is really they're not in those textbooks. Hmm. And so if you think about it, if you're not learning it when you're in K through 12, and then you're not learning it when you're being trained to be a teacher, you then go into the classroom and you're not teaching it to your students. I mean, it, it makes sense that it's not it's not there. And so we just need to figure out a better way to try to get the evidence-based strategies into the classroom and also a better way to get teachers talking with researchers because it should be two-way communication, not just us you know, us telling people what they should be doing. That's not going to go over very well. And we don't really know what the classroom is like in the same way that you guys do. And so we need to find a way to to do more bi-directional communication. And that's what that's what we're really about from the from the learning scientists. Yeah. A lot of what you just said resonates with with me, especially in regards to there being like a bi-directional form of communication between the learning scientists and educators. Um, and I think it's yeah, it's really admirable what the learning scientists are trying to do and I think as as Potsy tries to also be a part of that bridge, it, it, we're excited to find that there's already been a, like a large community of educators and scientists making that attempt to to make it easier for teachers to implement those practices in their classrooms. Can you tell me tell me a little bit about about your platform? Yeah, for sure, for sure. At the end of the day, Potsy is a learning tool for teachers to use in their classrooms with their students, um, and so. We have a couple of like core features that allows it to run in a classroom, such as like roster management, um, and you can assign assignments with questions. But the key difference about Podsy is that um, once you're done asking questions in assignments, each question in Podsy assignments then goes into what's called the personal deck for each student. The personal deck is where all the learning science uh, is built into. Like that's where all the spacing, interleaving, and retrieving happens. And so how that works is it represents the entire body of knowledge that a student that each student is supposed to know for that class throughout that school year. And the personal deck will schedule the next time a student is supposed to review a question again at the appropriate time for each individual student. Um, And so for example, let's say Sally and Johnny both did a question on fractions yesterday and Johnny missed it, but Sally got it right. Well, then the next day, Johnny would have to review that question again, while Sally might have to review it in a week again. Um, And over time, like that personal deck will adapt to how students are doing previous uh, prior to that. And again, just like uh, give them each a very personalized 
a set of questions at any given moment to review. Yeah. So is the idea that so you're implementing retrieval, you're implementing spacing, and it sounds like interleaving too, because there's a, a mixing up of the of the content and it's they're not in the same order each time. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we are definitely implementing interleaving in the personal deck. I think I want to call out that in, in the last few months, we've we found out that um, the interleaving we've implemented, we can improve on. I think for now, we're just kind of interleaving all contents, uh, all questions from the same subject. Um, but down the line, we'd like to interleave um, content that are like easy to mix up and and not just like every single subject together, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you said you had a, a friend, a colleague, um, Chris, who implemented this in his classroom, middle school science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how did that go? I, what was it like from the student's perspective? So for Chris's classroom, the main thing he he was trying to do was make it a habit of review each day. Gotcha. And so for for him, the first two weeks, he already laid out the habit of, and here, here's how he made it work. He would assign f- around like three to five question assignments at the end of each class as exit tickets um, on Podsy. And so then these three, three to five exit ticket questions would then go into their personal deck. And then the next day, instead of doing their usual do now or, or into intro to class warm up, he would give his students around five to 10 minutes to review any question that has been scheduled in their personal deck. Um, so it might cover questions that they missed from the previous day to questions that they just hadn't reviewed maybe for like two weeks or, you know, for a while now. And so I think his students, for a while, they weren't really sure like why they were doing it because uh, it was just kind of a habit at that point. It was just how Mr. Hua's classroom worked. But then eventually the, the cool thing was that uh, he was able to then have a conversation about two months in of like, so what we've been doing for the past couple of months, here's the learning science behind it. Um, here's why like we've been doing this and like here's why you found it easier to actually like recall information after a period of time. His students really enjoyed that whole experience of actually diving deeper into the science of learning and like how like research matched up with what they had been doing in the classroom. Yeah. So it sounds like it's just a couple of minutes in the classroom, right? Each day, not, so not adding a ton of extra, of extra classroom time. Cause I, I know teachers often talk about just not having enough time. And I know I feel that in my, in my college classes and, and the vast amount of information that teachers in K through 12 have to teach is just it, it it feels almost impossible. So it sounds like it's pretty pretty quick, though. It's just a cup, a little bit of a, something that you add as an assignment that then makes everything more effective and efficient. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely true. Uh, the the important thing for me as a former teacher is uh, making teachers' lives easier and not more difficult. I think a lot of times, you know, teachers are given techniques and strategies or tools that can probably make a difference, but it's just like really tough to actually implement or it takes a lot of time. So for us, it was really important that it fit well into the classroom. And I think for, for like for Podsy, our hope is that, you know, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day of reviewing would then save you um, time down the, down, down the road. Um, so that instead of needing to cram more before like the end of year state assessment or something like that, you know, hopefully students will have already retained uh, a, a large majority of the information they were already supposed to have learned. Right. So you're taking that cram session and just spreading it out <laughs> over yeah, yeah. over time. Yeah. Actually, as a teacher, I I was guilty of doing cram sessions. And, and we think of cram sessions as like a late night study session. But for for me, I in Texas, like this, the end of year eighth grade uh, uh, math assessment was very important. Like students had to pass it in order to go to the next grade level. And so we like six weeks before that test, we would stop all like new instruction and just, you know, okay, well, what are we struggling with 
two-step equations. Let's just spend two days reviewing and cramming. Okay, we're done with two-step equations. Let's go to fractions. So just like a lot of cramming. Um, excitingly, like Chris also did the same thing. Uh, sorry, that's not the exciting part. But he said he also did similar cram sessions at the end of his school years. And this year with Potsy, uh, he's gonna he like he he plans on removing that this school year just because um, he has seen a lot more retention from his students in the classroom. He's finding he doesn't need it anymore. Yeah. So exactly. it's both more effective and more efficient. Yeah, we're hoping that's the case for sure. And so it sounds like too, this is something that the the kids could do at home if they so right. It's early 2021 we're in the middle are we in the middle are we at the beginning or at the end who's to say of a global pandemic (laughs) yeah it's all just a blur we're coming up on the year mark um and i really hope this time next year we're not looking back and saying like we're still here but but who knows and so you know a lot of kids are doing learning at home and that is it's taking a toll I was just chatting with a just a, a mom that I know in in our area. She's got two kids who are um I, one is just starting high school, the other one in middle school, and she's saying that her oldest one is really struggling. He can't stand it. He used to be a straight A student, and now he's not. Her younger one is like living his best life. He loves <laughs> he loves the online learning stuff from home and it's, you know, it's just differences in in how they're how they're doing and possibly even differences in their in their teachers. And so is this something that you think could be used at home in this online learning environment or when we're back to the classroom assignments that the kids could do at home? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mentioned one way that Chris uses Potsy, which is uh, mainly in class. So exit tickets and do nows. Um, some other teachers, especially at the high school level, have found it useful to assign it as homework. So for example, uh, one like AP chemistry teacher, uh, just what we, one of his like regular homework assignments is uh, to have that personal deck um, cleared out to zero. So in, in other words, review all the questions that the personal deck scheduled for you um, every thir- by, uh, by, the, by Thursday each week. Uh, and so that's one way that like students can kind of like still plan out their own s- uh, studying, but like also be sure that they're not cramming and like, and as a result, like effectively and efficiently study their material. I think in, at, a, at an individual level, though, we, we do hope that it, it is an effective way for students just because we were also like based on Anki. And so we talked about Anki earlier. Right. And that, that one is like designed for individual students and learners to like study on their own anyways. And so I think like we're hoping like down the down the line, we can also provide like a, an easier experience for individual students to study on their own. Yeah. So I, I wonder too, so what is it that the teacher can see? So, you know, if you have the students doing this at home as a homework assignment, you know, by Thursday, they have to have gotten through a certain amount or their deck needs to be cleared, whatever the assignment is. What then is the teacher seeing? What what sort of data does the teacher does the teacher get? From the beginning of, fr- from the inception of Potsy, we recognize that it's really important to, uh, well, not only apply these learning science principles in the classroom, but to empower the teacher to intervene when something's not going right and to um, enable them to understand how their students are doing, right? So they can basically operate in the classroom more effectively. We, I guess we, we, we provide three primary categories of data for a teacher. One category is we want them to have visibility into the student's personal deck. Like basically, um, the teacher needs to know, A, if the students are actually doing the personal deck, B, which questions in the personal deck the students are struggling on, and C, be able to keep them uh, accountable for making progress on the personal deck. Another area that we show data to teachers is standards mastery data. So each question on Podsy is aligned to a learning standard. 
whenever the teacher creates it. And what, what happens is whenever a student res responds to a question, we track, you know, basically their performance, uh, whether they got it correct or incorrect. And because each question is tagged to a learning standard, we have, uh, we, we have a dashboard and we have a time series view where teachers can see how each student is doing on each learning standard. And they can also track this data over time. So basically, if Josh is a teacher in, the, in a classroom and he just taught his eighth grade students fractions, he can basically go to our dashboard and look up how each of his student is doing on the fractions learning standard. The last part of data analytics is basically assignment level data analytics. Whenever a teacher assigns an assignment and students are working on the assignment, we have a real-time view that shows teachers how students are pro progressing on the assignments. Uh, basically, we show them how many attempts the students has uh, attempted on each question, whether or not the student has, has got the question correct. And the teacher can see this all in real time. So it's very useful. For example, if Chris is using Podsy to do, to do an exit ticket, he can see the progress on the assignment in real time. And I think that basically sums it up of how show data to teachers to empower them in the classroom. So it sounds like, you know, if they if they really want to take a deep dive and, and go in and see, you know, exactly how everybody's doing on these different concepts and identify which concepts, maybe they're even comparing to whatever state standard test their 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 students are going to have to take or you know these are the top things that are important these are the ones that the students are struggling with that's how i'm going to spend maybe now the one week of review as opposed to the longer you know 6 weeks of not learning any new content yeah. but but if you wanted to be a little bit more hands off and just sort of assign it and use it as accountability practice, focus more on talking with the students about why we're doing these things and, and how it's helping them, that that would be possible too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I think the, the the data that we provide teachers enables, to, uh, enables them to do uh, a lot of things that they might not have previously been able to do. Yeah, it sounds really flexible. Is it that that's what we talk about a lot with the the science of learning is that these strategies are we can provide rules of thumb these flexible guiding principles but at the end of the day it's the teacher in the classroom with their content and their individual students trying to figure out what's going to work best similar to you know a doctor can learn about how various drugs function within the body and and what what tends to treat what, but at the end of the day, they're treating individuals. And so it's not going to be everybody takes X dosage of X drug, you know, in this situation, no matter what, right? So flexible. And like you said, I think flexibility and in addition, also just making sure that the teacher is the, the one who's empowered to make those decisions. Um, so, so like they, they can use space practice, they can use our personal deck, but at the end of the day, um, you know, like how doctors are treating individuals. I think each teacher can make that final call on um, how they should implement in their classroom. And I feel like that's that's important in, in making sure that it is like, like actually effective in each teacher's classroom. Yeah. And this is really why, too, we need we need this bi-directional communication. The researcher can't just say do X and that's mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone needs to sort of sit down and talk about it, understand what's going on. And, and that, that's one of the things that I think is really cool about Podsy is that you have you have this perspective of of teachers, being a former teacher, and it sounds like you also work with Chris, who's still in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then you've also been the struggling student trying to learn information. And, and as an adult, mm -hmm. being able to remember that, because I can think back to being confused in third grade, but I don't know how much of it was that I just like wasn't paying attention that day or was the content really, I mean, I had no idea what was going on, right? I was just trying to follow instructions. So I, I think that's a really neat perspective and it, that makes this really unique. And you're doing it for free as a nonprofit, which is just so 
amazing. Um, we get a lot of requests from companies trying to sell their platforms. And because of Learning Scientist's mission, we're, we're really careful about that because we we want to make the, the science of learning as freely available and accessible as is possible. And so it sounds like that's what you guys are doing too, which is a really amazing thing. Yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate um, those kind words. I, I think you're identified in the beginning. I think we have a really shared mission of uh, making these learning science best practices uh, really accessible for teachers and students. So, so we're hopefully we're, we're hopeful in in being able to contribute to that, and again, making teachers' lives easier um, while improving student learning. Yeah. So you started this in 2020. Yeah. It's it's, it's brand new, right? It, it is brand new. So we started it. I asked Jesse to come on board May of 2020 while we were all coming to terms with what the quarantine might look like for a while. And then we actually launched Podsy to, to more teachers. So the year before we were just doing for Chris's class, but we launched it to like the wider public uh, as a beta release in August of 2020. Great. So now you're so you're coming up at the you're still in the middle of that that beta year. What do you think? Um, what's what's next in the next few months? You'll have you'll be at the end of that beta year. What what are your plans? And of course, you know, plans change. We all learned. We all learned that last year um, if we hadn't learned it already. But what do you, what are you seeing in your near future? So for, for now, if any teachers are still interested in using Podsy uh, this semester, we're still uh, accepting more teachers into our beta release if they're interested, but we then plan on launching publicly. um, So out of the beta release in June of 2021. So wow, in like four months, basically. Um, And at that time, any teacher will just be able to sign up um, and then start uh, setting up their account and planning for the next school year. Wow. So is it, it's that simple, huh? Just sign sign up, get in, get the, get the platform. Yeah. There, there are definitely a lot of uh, things that we'll have to do to make it easy to use uh, for the next school year. Um, and so that's what our beta release has been about. We've been meeting with the teachers that have been part of a beta release like on a biweekly basis, just to make sure that the next school year we have learned about a lot of the like pain points of Podsy in the classroom and hopefully addressed all of them. Um, but yeah, in June, we're hoping that it is as simple as like signing it up and then students enroll in the class and then you can just kind of kick off using spacing and retrieving in your classroom. Gosh, so could we could we use this at the college level? Can I just sign my students up to use it for assignments? Yes, if if you're interested. Yeah, actually, that's interesting. If you're interested in using it as part of our beta release right now, we're, we're happy to have you. We haven't thought much about college level uh, widely yet, just because we have less experience in um, teaching at the college level. But I think that's something that was in the back of our minds that we'd like to explore in the future. Yeah, we've been talking, we've been talking about K through 12. And I all of a sudden was like, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) I would love to use this with my students. Is it really that easy? Um, So you you sold me on it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, of course, I use spacing and interleaving and retrieval in my classrooms. But when you were describing how easy the platform is to use, I thought that sounds better than the way I'm doing it currently. Sure. Um, even with the the knowledge of the of the science of learning. Yeah. So so if teachers want to get involved in in the beta version, what should they what should they do now? Right. So right now if teachers are interested, they can go to podsi.org. That's P-O-D-S-I-E.org. Um, and okay. then there's a form at the bottom where they can just um, indicate their interest and then we'll reach out to them and get them set up with their account. Yeah. And then, and then once it's the regular version, I'm assuming it'll be similar, still podsy.org. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Um, this was a really fun conversation, and I'm I'm really excited about about your platform and the work you're doing. And I I hope we'll we'll be able to stay in communication. If at the if not with my classroom, at least for learning scientists. Though I I really do kind of want to integrate this now sure. into my classes and see how it goes. Yeah. And thanks for having us here. This was this was a blast. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. This episode is funded by listeners like you. To support our work and gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash learning scientists.